Welcome to another exciting Sunday afternoon with you, me, a bunch of off-the-scale geniuses roosting in the genius room, two very exciting guests and five pieces of writing for which I have the highest of hopes. Yes, it's Pop-Up Submissions Live. And before I introduce you to our first guest, let me remind you you're invited to join the book club when it meets virtually at the end of this month to discuss the song of achilles more info from club.latopia.com and you can read about all today's narrators at voice.latopia.com now let's say hello to our first guest marketing expert author of the zoo and kings of a dead world it's jamie mollett I'm equally delighted to reacquaint you with the distinguished journalist, Matt Schofield. Hello! Yeah. So, make sure your TV dinner is firmly located on the tray table in front of you and assume the brace position right now because pop-ups is pop-ups. And here we are, submission number one. It's for Karen. Hello, Karen. I hope you're with us live on YouTube. If you are, give us a wave. And it's contemporary romance slash rom-com. And it's called Come Out to Play. And this is Karen's blurb. Prue and Sean are perfect for each other, but their timing couldn't be worse. She wants to move past her anxiety and avoid her bullying ex. He's torn between marrying his wealthy, overbearing girlfriend or finding a way to live authentically. Despite their strong attraction, the last thing either of them wants is a relationship. By the time they admit their feelings, their pasts are poised to blow up in their faces. Falling in love may be just what they need, if they can get out of their own way. Hmm. QR code there too, so please scan that and go to Karen's website. Meanwhile, I will tell you about Karen. I received a master's degree in English, says Karen, with a with a concentration, hmm, a focus indeed, in creative writing from Florida State University in 1994, and my poetry and short stories have been published in several literary journals since 1990. I live in the United States with my husband, teenage son, six cats. Well, uh, writers always have cats and they always uh, give us the number of cats they've got. I think that's amongst the highest sort of uh, uh, quartile we've had. Six is good going. Uh, where I teach yoga and writing, but not at the same time, at the College of Southern Maryland. Fantastic. Very pleased to have your submission. <clears throat> and I think, excuse me, I think you're going to be very pleased with this narration from Martin. Come Out to Play by Karen, read by Martin. Chapter 1. Prue planned to have a panic attack tomorrow. For now, she unfurled herself along the bed, spine uncoiling from having slept in a tight little ball of anxiety. Sunrise was imminent, and the symphony of frogs and crickets outside welcomed her to the calm before the storm. The Lower Georgia Symphonic Orchestra's conductor, Martin, was planning for the whole orchestra to sight-read a brand-new piece today. She fully expected his frustration to quickly build into a gale-force squall. Rolling over, Prue looked out the window, 
watching the black early morning turn dark blue, then periwinkle. In her periphery, she spotted the chain-link fence, the same kind that separated all the houses in the neighbourhood. Wisteria twisted its way through the links, impossibly enormous purple blooms fighting for sunlight. She swung her legs over the edge of the bed, pushed aside the tangle of blonde hair that obscured her vision, and stood. Come on, Matilda. Matilda lifted her boxy head, thumped her tail a few times, and resumed snoring. Prue stepped over the yellow lab and grabbed her pink kimono from where it was draped over the spindle-back chair she used for cello practice. She closed it tightly enough to cover her breasts, which she had felt long felt were too ample in proportion to her tiny waist. She had to wrap the tie around twice there. She made her way into her apartment's square kitchen, the vinyl flooring curled up from the floorboards in one corner in its battle with humidity. Prue filled and set the electric kettle, then craned her head back across toward the bedroom. Matty, wake up! A still groggy Matilda loped into view, propelled by slow wagging, and sat by the sliding door in the living room. When Prue opened it, the dog came alive and barreled outside before sliding to a stop halfway across the yard and sniffing around. Large mosquitoes hovered over a puddle a few feet ahead and an ominous looking wasp nest took up real estate on the beam separating Prue's side of the cracked concrete duplex patio from Tommy's. The strong citrusy smell of the blooming magnolia tree in the middle of the yard blended with the heady cloying wisteria, leaving a thick velvety texture that coated her tongue. Sunlight radiated its pink, then orange glow across the scraggly lawn. It shone through the blossoms and branches, which were still wet from last night's rain. Birds began to call each other. If things could just stay like this, Prue thought she'd be okay with being alone, and after today, she would be. In the patchy Bermuda grass, no siams pricked at her ankles as she headed to the fence full of wisteria. She admired its, its insistence, once it dug in its roots, the twining wooding vine was there forever, expanding its claim on the land and fighting back when anyone tried to rein it in or kill it. It always found its way back, bigger and more deeply coloured than before. Prue worked her fingers around a couple of stems and pulled them off, her mind wandering to her possible plans to leave the Lower Georgia Symphonic Orchestra once and for all. However, Leaving would mean searching for some other state orchestra to play in, which would mean auditions and the expense of moving, but also that she'd be that much farther away from Uncle Barney down in Florida, as well as her only three friends in the world. Joe kept saying she should go to the mixers and ladies' night at Rooster's Liquor Lounge, but crowds and cacophony were panic triggers, and bringing Matilda along in her orange service dog vest would scream, Defective, needy woman needs loving relationship. Besides, if a man came home with her, he'd just run away when he saw her body. What was it like to be comfortable in one's own skin and with one's own company? Her goal this summer would be to find out. Heading back to the sliding door, Prue called over her shoulder. Breakfast time, Matty. Matilda galloped to the door and followed her inside. Prue put the wisteria in a vase on the table. 
the blossoms were a bright contrast to the dingy white table and... And you were elided there, weren't you, actually, Karen? Sorry about that. Actually, you know, um, it's probably a good idea to just to wrap up the, the, the loose end when you do that. Or actually terminate it at a point that actually is quite significant. That's my feeling. Let's look at the genius room straight away because they always write never wrong. Omniscient indeed. Um, and gosh, they're, oh, they're kicked into high gear. I don't know, is it the moon or something? It's extraordinary. Um, so title suggests thriller, says L.A., uh, I like the title. Uh, doesn't suggest romance. Vagabond says something quite interesting, actually. If always, always interesting, Vagabond. If he's considering marrying for money, this is apropos of the blurb. He may not be a keeper. Just saying. I got a bit confused about that and, and the blurb wise. But actually, we were talking about they've both got other partners, haven't they? So it's kind of a bit of a, a classical situation, really. And we we want them to get together, don't we? Great blurb. Um, Another common Eve, a not bad plot for a romance. Barbara's back on the cats. Six cats, she says. Not enough, as far as I'm concerned. Love the blurb, says Jan. Not sure how the title connects to this story. And PJ, I hope it's a bit thriller, because the title's a bit of a thriller too. This was actually a friend's story. Ended up calling off the wedding she'd planned. <gasps> and married someone she'd met a few weeks before. Extraordinary. Matt, we're going to drop you in the deep end first. Are you a rom-com kind of guy? I, 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 you know, I'm not um, necessarily a rom-com guy, but I appreciate the rom-com, the well-done rom-com. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought what we had here uh, in the writing, there was some really, there were some really nice things going on, and I like the hooks that were occasionally being dropped in. Um, as we've seen in the Genius Room, though, I, this was mixed in with a lot of kind of very pedestrian detail. Um, you know, we get a bit more about the dog running through the room than I really understood why. We get a bit more about the wisteria than I thought we needed. We get a bit more about just the the mundanity of making breakfast and these sorts of, you know, this is like, and earlier on she had a couple of nice mystery lines as well, but I did think there was too much that wasn't particularly interesting. I did think Prue, very nice name, cool yes. name, I, Prudence, I assume, this, it, yeah. you don't hear it that often. Um yeah, and aside from that, the only notes I have is just a, a little bit more on the dog than... I, I mean, you can't go wrong with a dog. It's always good to have a dog. People love dogs. But I, I felt I didn't really know why I was hearing about the dog when I didn't really know what was... Um, I mean, uh, I felt yeah. we were a little adrift with the dog. Fair enough. All right, let's pick it up from the genius room. Um, Eva's got six cats, two plus two visitors, that's eight. Um, Blurb tells us what we expect to find in a romance story arc. Says Hannah, what's unique about this one? Quite a few people like the opening line. Uh, Martin, our narrator, after great opening line and promising blurb, didn't quite deliver as much story as I'd hoped. And LA says, I thought Matilda was a cat. And a lot of lovely description here, but not enough hint of story. And James says, nice writing, but needs to get into the action. And two wisterias as Johnny leaps out a little. What are your first impressions, Jamie? I thought the blurb was really strong. It's clear and to the point, and I think that's uh, that's hard to do. And I think it, it, the blurb sets it up to be exactly what it's what she wants it to be, which was yeah, um, great. And then I thought the first line was great as well. And I thought oh, I'm going to really enjoy this. Not that I'm a rom-com man generally, but then it kind of it started, went from that really strong first line. She just threw it away. Like I was like, please do something with that because that's really that's a really interesting concept and a really good way yeah. to start a book. Yeah. And then just it was a complete throwaway line. Um, and then there was some really evocative writing in there. I thought there were some really nice bits, but it was also a, a little bit overwritten, particularly about Wisteria. I do wonder if it should be 
should get something in there about uh, someone's love affair with wisteria um yes. but also the thing that the thing that um for me that stood out most was that it didn't tonally feel like a rom-com it had this sort of like slightly melancholy genre uh sort of gentle contemporary fiction feel to it and not there's nothing funny in that first bit at all um so i think if you're saying it's a rom-com you need to set that up in yeah. in this it's certainly in the first scene so people I know where they so. are because you, you yes you've got to orientate yourself in the first page haven't you and, and to me i just felt a bit sort of like disorientated because it wasn't doing what i expected it to be yeah um, i just felt again, a little, I've I felt a little Tony. bit distant. I, I, I just just want to mention one line here. Okay, this is the uh, end of the first paragraph. She fully expected his frustration. That's the uh, composer. Uh, no, the uh, um, conductor, rather. His frustration to quickly build into a gale force squall. So I'm just thinking to myself, you know what? I really want to be in, in the... Well, there are two protagonists here, actually, I think. I want to be in the protagonist's head. And actually, what I am here, if you think about it, I'm actually in the author's head who's telling me what's going on. And I'm not really experiencing it as... Yeah, as up, up close and personal as I, as I need to be. Do you think that's a valid comment or, or what? Yeah, I think it is. I, I just yeah. have a sort of sense of... I learned, I learned too much about Wisteria and not enough about the, the characters in that first, yeah. in that first section. Yeah. And he, I think I said this last one, but you, that first page you need to orientate the author, uh, the reader in where they are, what they're going to see, and who the characters are and what their drives are. We didn't really get any of that. Yeah. Um, there was a start of it right at the start with it with that with that line you think right this this is somebody on the edge this is gonna be interesting and then like we learned about dog and stuff but like yeah. i said there's some, there were some lovely lines there. defective needy woman seeks love and relationship i wrote down i thought that was a really yes. nice line we take it back to the um the notion you're, you're you're eavesdropping in a restaurant to the conversations and the tables around you and you, you you hear someone talking about making breakfast and the dog went around and you think well i'll listen in on a different table yeah. um yeah. <laughs> Yeah. This isn't this isn't the this isn't the seven hundred words you have to sell this work isn't really working in your favor as much as it could be because I thought the writing was quite nice. Yes, exactly. And vagabond says, Pete, didn't you get the memo? It's Beard Week. Yeah, but I shaved my own. <laughs> That's the thing. I shaved it. You used to have a fairly impressive beard, didn't you? I used to have a beard, yeah. I I still do, according to Wikipedia, (laughs) but I never trust Wikipedia. Uh, (laughs) Let's look at uh, some numbers now. Has Matt voted? He has voted. Has Jamie voted? It's going to be a good show today, guys. Yes, he has voted. That means the numbers are in. Wow, it's exactly the same. (laughs) Exactly the same. Great. Oh, my God. You've got a 61 there. Oh, and we vote, we voted less than Peter as well. By me, know. yes. How about that? Uh, congratulations! I hope you're pleased with that, Karen. If you are actually uh, joined us, lurking behind the the settee or the the sofa, that's what a lot of uh, writers do at this point, live on a Sunday afternoon. There's no need to. You can always you can always come out and post a comment on YouTube. Oh, it's gone down. I'm so sorry. Oh dear. That does happen sometimes when when more people vote in the genius room. So it's just gone down a little bit, but it's still it's still a fairly good start. And here we go, submission number two. Transcending trauma, a roadmap. Stealth help. I like that as a genre, don't you? Stealth help. Stealth help slash memoir. And it's from Sarah, and this is Sarah's blurb. What's non-fiction as well? Of course, this is great. Abused kids 
grow up to be tortured adults. The prognosis is grim. Psychiatric institutions, prison or death. If we manage to evade these three things, it's still likely that we will suffer lifelong mental illness, exclusion from community and loneliness of an order many will never comprehend. When I wasn't busy surviving, I searched high and low for a solution to the terror of being human. What I learned made being alive tolerable, and as meagre as that sounds, it changed my life forever. Doesn't sound meagre at all to me. Let me tell everyone about uh, Sarah. My greatest achievement, next to survival, was learning to laugh. My recovery from drug addiction set me on a course I never imagined possible. My journey from the Australian wilderness to the seedy streets of Sydney's adult industry, and eventually to prison, left me searching for some higher meaning. I live a quiet life now, writing and gardening. I'm working on a fantasy trilogy, but with this memoir, I hope I can give back to the world which sustained me and pay tribute to the kindness of strangers and friends alike. And we have a reading today for you, Sarah, from Beverly. Transcending Trauma, A Roadmap, by Sarah Deacon, read by Bev. Chapter One People say you don't remember much before the age of three, but I remember. It wasn't the questions that haunted me, it was the answers. What happens when you see it? What happens when you smell it? What happens when you lick it? What happens when you taste it? After responding to each of these regarding my brother's penis, I was treated to a hard shove which thrust me into the laundry. Cold brown tiles met my bare knees. The weight of my clothes met my small head as they were thrown clumsily upon me. Get dressed. Dad's coming. Like my brother forgot that getting dressed is difficult. But my fear of being found naked trumped my ineptitude. Dad had a permanent frown, even when he was meditating. He'd fashioned a throne of sorts. It stood on a platform raised up from the ground, as though his towering over us weren't enough. And this throne was overlaid in white sheets, so that he sat there like a holy man among mortals. I learned to be quiet. Watching Mum take a beating was all the lesson I needed. She shook visibly, rattling against me. She held me, no doubt praying for my obedience, as we endured the twenty minutes of meditation every morning and every night. Dad said he was a god and that I'd learned to be one too. It's hard to reconcile all his godliness with what follows. So I'm at the kitchen table, legs dangling above the floor. I have all the colours and a blank page, he says, don't open this door, and it slides shut. The colours hold me for a time, but there's a darkness beyond that door, and the warning in his tone had lit a curiosity in me. I'd learned the art of silence, like how when you push open a door silently, you have to pull it almost as much as you push. This one was trickier, being a sliding door, but with tentative hands I reckoned I could pull off this act of stealth. Aware that the light falling into Dad's cave would alert him, I took my time and opened it only a crack. The television screen was a moon in the blackness, 
and when my eyes fell upon it, I lost all sense of my own danger. Only horror held me. A woman on a table, shining steel and cold. She was bound and in some state of terror. She was naked, and in my mind I wanted to throw my pile of clothes to her. But it wouldn't have done any good, because, you see, she had no use of her arms. I counted a blessing to have forgotten what came next. There are shadows and a roar, but that is all. Every day, when no one was watching, I'd run to the back door, reach for the handle, stretch on my tiptoes and fall short. But every day I reached a little higher. Every day I was a little closer to my escape. That's how I learned patience and biding my time. The day finally came when my fingers touched the handle. Not too long after that, I grasped it in my hand. Yanking it down with all my might, I leaned into it and stumbled into the brightest day. I was blinded by the sunlight. White filled my vision. Next, I was falling, tumbling down the concrete steps and clunking my head on the way. White became black once more. That's how I learned that escapes require planning. Chapter 2 Mornings were a mad rush to get the older kids out of the door and off to school, but weekends were similarly hectic. With five kids, my mum was doing her best. One morning, my 13-year-old sister, Kayla, was helping me with my sandals. She forced hand-me-down socks onto my feet. They were far too large. Fitting the heel of the sock to my heel, she folded the toes of them under my toes. I learned the word uncomfortable that day. I howled in protest, kicking and gesticulating. When mum walked in, she said, she's uncomfortable. That sense of discomfort would come to pervade my life. Very powerful reading, Bev. Thank you so much for that. Let's see what the Genius Room are saying. And uh, last comment from Claire, actually. Uh, my heart is breaking, says Claire. This is disturbing, but these stories are important. And just going back a little, Carol says, a heartfelt voice coming through in writing style. It strongly projects a need to be heard and validated. So important. So let's just scroll back a little bit. Oh, my goodness. There's so much here, actually. Oh, so many comments. I don't know where to begin, actually. Um, that line, Vagabond says, uh, who, who is actually our narrator, that line, the terror of being human, says it all. Says it all. Uh, Claire G, tolerable doesn't sound as hopeful as a reader may want. Remember, this is just the beginning. Um, James says, not, not not my type of book, but title works and blurb spot on. Martin uh, says, beautifully emotive blurb. Carol, title sounds more like a self-help book than a memoir. It does. Maybe we can discuss that because maybe it straddles both. I don't know. Let's talk about that. Bio is incredibly moving too, says Jen. Kate, I put the terror of being a human line up front. So it's two votes for that. I like the blurb, says Barbara, but I think it could do with a bit more hope. Um, good opening, says Eva. LA, Thomas, blurb is a bit depressing. Title sounds non-fiction. He's non-fiction, actually. Uh, Pamela, I appreciate the need to get to the trauma, but maybe hold this back until we're just to the horror. Uh, I wonder. Um, 
And James says, I just realised how happy a childhood I had. Hannah says, very hooky opening, a light touch and a introduction for what I'm expecting will take on very harsh turns. And uh, Tony Blurb and opening says, Carol should match who writer most hopes will read the book. Interesting. Could trigger some or put some off. Um, LA says, what's going on with formatting? I didn't notice that. Maybe someone else can pick that up in a moment. And, oh, Bev's reading is really capturing the emotion, says Martin. Um, I don't know. So many great comments here. Let's see what Jamie thought. First reactions, please. Um, so I'm not a fan of memoirs, generally speaking, and particularly ones that uh, sort of fall into the, I don't know if they call this anymore, like the misery, misery memoir. Yeah, it's still um, around, yeah. That's great. Is it? Mm. Um, so when I saw that we were re reading a, a memoir, um, that's sort of a self-help one, so I was like, oh, not, that's not going to be for me. Um, and the, I sort of felt the same through the blurb as well, to be honest. I thought, I've sort of heard this before. And then and then you read the description of Sarah, and I thought, ah, she sounds interesting. Uh -huh. um, and, and I would make that the, the, blurb, the bit about her, to me, was more interesting than the blurb. I felt the yeah. title, as, as, the, as the genius room mentioned, feels like a bad self-help book. You, you know you're getting for the, the one pound, yeah. the 99p Kindle offers of health self-help book that title would just fit into those love the term self stealth help but though that's, yeah, that's right. great and then um, and then and then it started and what an intro like just brilliant just brilliant that first page is knocked it out of the park like i cannot fault the writing it absolutely powerhouse writing there's some some of the lines in there were just amazing dad said he was a god and that i'd learn to be one too i mean that's yeah. brilliant yeah. Um, and there's a line the bit about reaching the handle trying to reach the handle and not being able to I just just that that writing is stunning uh, like really 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 good and so completely threw me because that was not what I was expecting at all I really didn't expect it like this um, but the writing is powerful writing it's evocative it's got the she's got the balance right of knowing what to say but not what to say to yeah. make people fill in the gaps themselves I just can't I cannot fault that writing that uh, is that's Brilliant. fantastic, fantastic. And uh, just cut straight back to the genie. Hannah says, I would buy a ton of hankies and read on. Uh, Jan says, this is gut-wrenching and I would definitely read on, hoping for her to escape. And Pamela Joe says, this is literally Hemingway's uh, to, to write. You just sit down, open a vein and bleed. Mm. And... The writing is lyrical and haunting, we have from YouTube. Thank you very much, Janai, for, for saying that. Feels more memoir than self-help, says Mel. Title suggests otherwise. Carol, what do you want readers to feel when reading it? Not alone. Hope. Caring for the abused. Understanding. Anger at abuser. Anger at those who failed to be there. Shame. Sorry. Wide range there. Hannah says, I had a tough childhood. Not this tough. But I would read this book. There's a draw towards even a tiny bit of slash me too. Um, agree with Jamie. It's incredible writing, says uh, Pamela Joe. And Carol says the, the powerful writing reflects the very real experience being conveyed. Mm. Right, Matt. Yeah, I thought from I I I agree um, with Jamie, and that the title wasn't my cup of tea. Um, but man, after that, I just thought we were really going this is this was impressive the opening line when she, the i remember bit wonderful kickoff um down to the you know dad says he's a god or dad god or whatever mm. it was brutal it was honest it was horrifying it was 
is extremely well done, extremely powerful. The first chapter, that's how I learned escapes require planning. That was really nice and a, a good um, hook and is, is a hint of yeah. what's to come, what this it book is. Up, this is it? a book of, you're right. This is coming. You know, we're going to escape this horrible world, and we mm. sure as heck know how horrible this world is by that time. It's mm. extremely well done. Extremely mm. well done. Thing. The the transcending trauma. The only thing I think I would talk about on this is in a negative. I'm not sure transcending trauma a roadmap gets at what we just heard. Yeah, because you know, because it is powerful. It's well, extremely we've well got, done. We've got oh. various comments saying, um, we, we know we want to feel more hope. Um, and the title does do that. It says transcending. It does suggest that you can transcend. Um, I mean, does that work for you? Or, or at what stage do we want to feel hope? I don't, it, I don't think it's – I think that's part of the journey, isn't it? And and uh, the, to me, the fact that the the – the title just doesn't. The title just doesn't work. For, I, for, I mean, for me, uh, uh, it doesn't say what the book is. From what I've from what I've yeah. heard, it it, yeah. it feels wrong. It it feels too basic, and um, it feels like it's like written by a professional, professor, doesn't it? A professional therapist or something yes, who's that, seen yeah, hundreds yeah, exactly. of clients. Right. Yeah. The it's title's new to deal with your trauma. It's not. That's yeah, not what right. the book feels like to me. It feels like someone's journey, and and right. from what you hear at the start, you don't really know what the answer is um mm. so yeah. there should be it just it just needs a, a title that's as clever as and well written as the yeah. as the as the text is because yeah because she can write there we go I'm right because what this this, this yeah. title says to me it says meh uh, okay and this this is not what we heard i mean this yeah. is wow yeah well done yeah Right. All right. Well, uh, we have to reduce all that to numbers. And so let's see what they are. 75. That's big enough to be a monthly winner, actually. A 75. Very, very impressive score there. Let's see what we can learn from the numbers. I think I think universally, actually, the title has been marked a bit low. Uh, Jamie really didn't like the blurb, but he had a better suggestion, a positive suggestion, actually, from Jamie on the blurb, which is brilliant. And Craft and Bang, 100. And, yeah, it just, just goes on, actually. So... Fantastic. I mean, wow. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sarah, for that. Uh, we uh, we see big things in the, in the future of this book. Um, let's see what the next submission brings. Here we go. Submission number three. Tipping point. Oh, my goodness me. It's Cli-Fi. Isn't this serendipitous? Cli-Fi, because that actually is what Jamie's written. Climate fiction, cli-fi, sci-fi, climate. Yeah, and it's from Kay. You got a QR code there too. Well, you're, you're very lucky, Kay, because you've got Jamie on the show today. How nice. We didn't arrange it. It's just circumstance. This is Kay's blurb. Liverpool, 2055. 20 years after climate catastrophe pushed England into authoritarian rule. A Megan, a 22-year-old wheelchair user, has been confined to an institution under the Right to Care Act. <laughs> confined to an institution under the Right to Care Act. I like that. That's, uh, that's very sly humor, that is. Jay, her older sister's boyfriend, and the youngest son of an elite family, makes a rash decision that forces them together. Can Megan persuade Jay to help her flee to the Celtic Union? Will he return her 
to the authorities? Well, they may, what must they both learn? This is brave new world for the XR generation XR. That is uh, extended reality, isn't it? I think it's one of these VR type things. Yes, extended or augmented reality, extended reality, all these things. They all want to get in your heads. Right, so let me tell, uh, tell everybody about UK. Oh, sorry, getting my buttons a bit mixed up here. Um, I live in Liverpool with my feline companions. Oh, yes, theme of the day. At least they sub theme, I think. Uh, lovely and precious. I think that makes two cats. I'm not in the running. Um, I predominantly write cli-fi, speculative fiction and dark political satire. I can tell that from the blurb, actually. Um, I've published some short fiction, been a finalist on long-listed and short story competitions, and I had a short story broadcast on Irish national radio. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, I haven't got a mute button. <laughs> I bet you wish I had. Tipping Point is a resubmission from February 2021. Now, we do encourage that, actually. You leave three or four months at least, as you have done. Um, but, yeah, very happy to take resubmissions. On its fourth rewrite, last year it was a finalist in the Book Edit Writers Prize, an award for writers from underrepresented backgrounds. And I would appreciate your feedback on it. I combine writing with working for a disabled people's organisation and I have a background in social science, specialising in intersectional social justice approaches to disability and mental health. And this reading is bound to be good because it's from Emily. Tipping Point by Kay, read by Emily, Chapter One. Megan opened the balcony door and angled herself towards the street. The clapping had started. She had four and a half minutes. She turned back inside, bolted the door behind her and wheeled quickly across the flat to the front door. She checked it was on the latch, then she checked again, and again. It was eating into her precious time, but she couldn't afford to take any risks. Jay hadn't given her keys, and she had to be able to get back inside. She took a steadying breath and exited into the wide hallway. It felt fast as she moved towards the lift, but at least there weren't any security cameras. She pushed her fingers against the call button, ears alert for the sound of a door opening behind her, eyes pinned to the light slowly ticking off each floor, as the lift crept upwards. She gripped her wheel rims, ready to bolt back into Jay's flat if the lift arrived already occupied. Eventually, the doors slid open to reveal a vacant silver oblong. Hands shaking, Megan wheeled herself inside and pressed the button for the roof garden. Jay leaned back into the doorway and steadied himself against his churning stomach. He could see most of the length of Bold Street sloping away from him and people milling about. There were one or two people he recognised a little further down the street, but otherwise it looked normal. Too normal for what they were about to do. His legs threatened to buckle beneath him and he pushed his hands against the boarded up door to keep himself upright. How could he have thought he was brave enough for this? That any of them were? The grief and rage that had carried him along evaporated like wisps of cloud, leaving nothing but a bleak horizon of doubt and fear. Fear of the police. Fear of his parents if they ever found out about this. Fear for his future. Doubt about everything. They all had so much to lose. A couple of them worked for the committee and there were other postgrads too, albeit not on security listed courses like him. But even the retail staff might never work again after this. He wondered if the journalist would show up and if she was scared too. It was a huge risk for her if it was obvious that she'd been tipped off and hadn't informed the police. She said she would take a late lunch so she could just happen to be in one of the cafes when it kicked off. 
He hoped more than anything that they would all lose their nerve, that they would bail out and he could quietly slip away and go home. Then the clapping started and it was too late. He no longer had a choice. It felt like an age until the doors opened again. Megan shrugged off her cardigan, rolled it into a tube and jammed it in the door. She couldn't afford for the lift to get called away or risk people re-entering the building before she was back inside Jay's flat. She scanned her surroundings. This was her only possible escape route and hiding place. But all it offered was some faded rattan sofas and a few large containers with wind-weathered plants. Nothing that would provide any cover. She turned around. The lift shaft was the only thing that would conceal her from view. And even then, not for long. Still, she reassured herself, if there was no sign of her ever having been in Jay's flat, then the police would have no reason to look for her. No reason to suspect she was alive. Unless, of course, Jay told them. Jay glanced at the display on the comms tower. It was 1400. The clapping had started right on cue. People were lining the pavements and the police helicopter was buzzing into view to check that everyone was doing their civic duty. It looked like every other Friday afternoon. Then, above the applause, he heard them. It was happening. They were really doing it. These lives matter. These lives matter. A group were marching down the road. Thank you, Emily. As always, uh, appreciation and applaudits for Emily's reading. I mean, just always, it's always there, isn't it? At the top of the pile. Right? Um, just comment, actually, um, apropos um, the last submission about the title from Johnny. Late comment, good one. I'm just going to read it because I think it's relevant. Johnny says, perhaps a more oblique title, as Frank McCourt did with Angela's Ashes. I think that's, I think that's, yeah, I feel that's the right approach, actually. Yeah. Uh, now, on to, on to this. Um, so, yeah, title. Uh, Clifi is big right now, says Hannah. Carol says, tipping point is a good title. Uh, Hannah says, blurb's confusing. L.A. Thomas says, title reminds me of a TV game show. Um, and Vagabond points out, actually, um, yeah, it's a good thing to remind us all, actually, that Brave New World actually has a really sad ending. Uh, Carol Ennis, uh, blur missing details, decision about, forced together, how? Return her, what authorities, what's happened? <laughs> uh, Claire G, excited by this. Vagabond says, title not right. I tend to agree with that, actually. And blurb, almost there, but sounds intriguing. Jan says, like the title, first part of the blurb works, and then fell apart for me, Hannah. Title too vague, I think. Martin, tipping point is also a name of ITV game show. Several, several comments on that. Um, Hannah says, good writing. Carol MS, clapping for what? For who? Too vague. And Eva likes the writing. Good, solid writing. Martin says, polished prose. Writers worked hard. Mel loves Emily's reading. Always feels like we're being let in on a secret, says Mel. Um, and Vagabond's good writing. I'm getting very slightly lost. Has this started a bit too late? We'd root, out, we'd root more for them support them more if we knew them and were invested in them first i think that's true actually yeah i guess she's escaping says hannah i need a bit more why um martin i'm engaged with the voice and character of giant ali thomas loved it intrigued would continue reading that's great you don't have to please everyone that's the thing you know i mean it, reading very sadly is a minority pursuit you've only got to you know reach a certain demographic and you're going to be successful um 
Claire says, I like to be left guessing, but maybe we needed a little more info throughout Ali Thomas. Head hopping works well for me as well. Like the tension, sense of stakes, says Claire. And straight from YouTube, Janai, who's being very active today. Thank you very much, Janai. Says, I'm not yet attached to the characters. Okay. Well, I'm going to save Jamie for a moment because he is obviously our cli-fi boss. So what did you think, Matt? Well, the, the point of the first 700 words is to get you to want to read on, and I would, I would definitely read on. Um, I was not particularly impressed with the, um, the, the title. I thought it sounded almost like a, a Woody Allen movie. Yeah. He, yeah. A turning point, I think he made, or something like that. I don't yeah, know. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the blurb um, didn't quite work for me. I think it, it, the, the story was there. It needed to be. A little tighter um but once we got into the the 700 words i was impressed i mean it was the hmm. it was bang 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 and we were ratcheting up there's a great tension from the first word and it just kept increasing um just and I, I, my hmm. notes say fantastic tension wow um, great yeah, I, I I felt that we were being dragged along. I mean, it's like this this whole notion that you've talked about in the past of you need to take off. It's like a rocket ship taking off, and then there has to be a booster, and then there has mm. to be another booster. And I felt very much that we were getting that. Um, so I was impressed. I I liked it. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Matt. That's uh, I just come back to Matt. Look at the numbers. I didn't look at his numbers. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You've got you've got 100% there for craft and you've got 100% for commercial potential, which we call bang, actually. Uh, okay. Um, I'm getting confused in K and we cli-fi because uh, I'm just thinking, well, I'm going to say cli-fi. I always want to say sci-fi, but, I want to, but I've got to say cli-fi. Tell us everything you know about cli-fi, Jamie, but make it quick. Huh. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, I didn't even know it existed until I, st- until I wrote a book that oh, uh, right. finds cli-fi. But it's but it's science fiction, generally or speculative fiction that is um, that is concerns itself with climate change. So it's environmentally concerned fiction, basically. There's actually um, there's actually I'm actually part of an organisation called the Climate Fiction Writers League, which is worth looking up if you uh, want to write in this genre because uh, it's a there's a newsletter and there's a supportive network of people um, that that sort of develop that. Um, so yeah, it's generally it's, I think JG Ballard probably wrote the first cli-fi. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I didn't know. I didn't even know it was a thing. And then somebody said you were in a Clapper book. And I was like, have I? And then yes. I looked into it. And I went, oh, I have, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> um, but this is a good example of, of Clifi, I think. I think she's, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good example. I, I think, um, oh, by the way, uh, XR is um, Extinction Rebellion, I think. Oh, so is it? Um, yeah, oh. so that, that that line's great. Brave New World for the for the Extinction Rebellion generation, I think, is perfect. Right, that so is good, Extinction actually, Rebellion, yeah. obviously, the oh, organisation they were. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's interesting because with sort of extended reality, it didn't really work for me. But no, but with Extinction Rebellion, I think that's great because yeah. that sort of talks about, yeah. uh, it talks about activism and, and making yeah. the change yourself. So I think that's, that's a good oh, I can't remember the end of Brave New World for the life of me, though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna have to try that's and read. I'm gonna go probably. I'm going to go and read the last few pages when I leave. Yeah. Um, but I thought, I thought, so the title kind of works and doesn't kind of doesn't work for me. I'm assuming it's a nod to the Malcolm Gladwell book, which is Tipping Point, which is about oh, gosh, yes. the, gosh, that gosh. moment where the magic moment that changes society, yeah. isn't it? So I'm, it, yeah. I think it might be that. But um, 
it's a bit vague um, and it doesn't sort of set up what, what what the book's about at all really in terms of what it the, the market it's sitting in mm-hmm. um i thought the blurb was pretty good it does what august dy- good dystopian fiction does and it sets up a world which is incrementally different to ours and a little a little bit scary because it feels quite close yeah um and i thought i thought i mean I thought the writing was really solid like really good she's obviously worked on on this a lot it's it's solid and it's um it's but couldn't really fault it quick head hopping like that as well is really hard to do um and that was done that was done really well i think there was some nice stuff in there as well i i, I love the way it was introduced that that the she was in a wheelchair and generally speaking there was a, there's the way that the exposition was handled in that was really well i think one of the dangers for science fiction and cli-fi particularly is that there's a whole dump of exposition at the start that didn't yes. that didn't happen we got enough yes. about the world to understand yes. the context of what we were talking about but not in a way that just went boof, dumped it all on you I thought it was really well done yes. um i think there was what uh, i was a little bit worried about that these lives mattered matter i think that's a little bit close to all lives matter which obviously is it's a bit closer than uh, that, yeah. a bit yeah. contentious um yeah. and and not in a good way but i'm assuming it's these lives matters is referring to people with disability um, i think so, so yeah. but I, I don't know it just it's sort of rang a little alarm bell for me there is all yeah. um which again maybe maybe may, may the point but yeah, yeah i thought that was really good writing um solid concept um yeah yeah i like i like i like you know in, in the blurb um um, 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 uh, confined to an institution under the right to care right i mean that's just yeah that's, that seems that's close, sly isn't it, isn't it? That's, that's 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 yeah. very very good um, I, like, I like the clapping as well assuming that comes from covid i assume it comes from covid Sorry. and fridays for future right yeah yeah i mean it's, it's, it's nice it's, it's dystopian just a, take on fridays for future yeah it's just, it's just a it's um yeah cons- this what happens under conservative government guys <laughs> just right just <laughs> well there we are we've just broken the type is no politics rule but what the hell um <laughs> sorry good. all right so okay i i bet you're with us at the moment if you know you sounds like you you're, you're a regular and certainly you know 2021 was your last submission so you've got any comments or, or questions particularly directed to jamie Bung me in in the next few minutes. Uh, let's look at the numbers you've got so far. Another really impressive score, actually. Really impressive. And again, under normal circumstances, what is that? I've almost forgotten the definition of it. Um, that would be enough to win the, win the show, actually. It would be. So it's unfortunate when things like that happen, actually, because quite often you just get, you know, one really strong submission per show. And sometimes you get a lot of very strong submissions per show. And that's just how the cookie crumbles, folks. And we're... That's submission number three. Before we go to number four, <clears throat> I th- and this is absolutely the best time to do it. Let's. Oh look, it's all it's all selected text. How interesting. Um, this is this is Jamie's most recent Kings of a Dead World. It's out in paperback, isn't it? And it, we know what the genre is, Cli-Fi, because we've just been talking about it. Just give give us the basic setup, Jamie. Um, yeah, so it's set in the fu- uh, near future, as, as as these things are, in a world yeah. where. Um, Resources have have been depleted to a level that are unsustainable, and the governments have come together and come up with a solution, which they've called the sleep, which is where the vast majority of people are put to sleep for three months, um, and then woken for one month to live their lives to to conserve resources, and then mm. um, a, a, a small select group of people from the previous elite stay awake to to monitor them. They're called the janitors, and it follows two people: one a janitor and one a sleeper. 
Um, and it's discussing what how they use their time. So obviously the janitor's got loads of time, can do whatever he wants with no culpability. The sleeper, uh, the the sleeper has got the opposite of that, and um, yeah, follows these these two people, and yeah. everything is not as it seems. Yeah. And a little bird tells me that you've just finished a film. I have, yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. But my my uh, friend who direct who's directed a couple of feature films before, um, just sort of contacted me and went, "I've got an idea for a film. Uh, do you want to help me write it?" And I. Yeah, I do. So we wrote it. Um, really strong idea. His idea was essentially that he wanted to shoot a feature film where the lead actor didn't know the script. Uh, so isn't that a lot of films? It. No? <laughs> they don't lose it. No, he had no idea of what was happening. So literally, we, we created a scenario where the lead actor um, was had amnesia and the, uh, the other actors um, basically improvise around how, how, the, how he reacted to a situation. So wow. effectively tied this guy to a ceiling in a warehouse yeah. in, in, in Worcestershire for a week and presented oh scenarios to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, which was potentially a, a, a very challenging idea, but I think we come up with some, I think it's, really, I think oh, I'm going to touch what it's being at the moment, yeah. but it's, it's, it's very, it's, it was a very interesting, um, how fabulous. interesting. Let me, I, we could talk about this all day. Uh, let me, just very quickly. How did you find the, the difference between writing prose and writing uh, a script? Um, really difficult because, um, I did the first draft. Uh, well, obviously, it was more difficult the fact that we had one character who didn't have any lines. <laughs> so I just had to give the other characters all of the lines to prompt responses. Um, but as a writer, you're inclined to sort of put in description and there's none yeah. of that. And I sort of, like, my, my friend's like, you know, you've got to take that out. There's, you don't have any of that. So it's just yeah. pure, pure uh, dialogue and small amount of, um, amount of, uh, of direction. So yeah, yeah I, I really enjoyed it, and to, to the point actually that I'm trying, I'm in the process now of um, turning the zoo into a script because I, oh, I think, I, right. yeah, which oh, is a re okay. to revisit your book that you wrote five years, five six years ago, and then and sort of try and work out how to make it into a film. Oh, so I'm enjoying the process a lot. Yeah, Kate says I've read Jamie's book. It's good. It's got the uh, endorsement of Kate there. And Vagabond says, "Gotta be you. honest. Gotta be honest. All that sleep sounds good to me sometimes." <laughs> uh, I think it was written primarily because I've got a, a young child. Yes. And it was just a bit wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's how they sell it to the population as well. There we go. Kings of a Dead World by Jamie, published by the uh, rather wonderful, small but perfectly formed Sandstone Press. Thank you very much, Jamie. just have two more very high scoring show very very high scoring show actually do you want to have a look at the uh, scorecard so far? <clears throat> we're three submissions in, and we we start with a 60 we go to a 70 we've just seen from tipping point and then we go way up to a 75 uh transcending trauma which um uh, was a very powerful moving piece of writing so two more to go on a show that looks like it's going to be an all-time uh, best in terms of the, the numbers and the scores. I wonder what this submission is going to, to bring us. Here we are. It's from Samantha, and it's fantasy. And there's a QR code there. You can scan that. And it's called Soul Seeker. Soul Seeker. Do you like that? Think about it. Do you like it? Here's Samantha's blurb. Two rivals, one polar bear, spirit guide, one journey to change their world forever. Nuna was in training to become her tribe's next shaman. But when her village mysteriously disappears and an everlasting blizzard begins, she and her rival must journey north to the land of the gods. They're the only ones who can stop the blizzard and the war tearing their lands apart. 
Their only ally is Nuna's spirit guide, a great white bear. But the gods are not what they seem. It's often the case, I think. <laughs> um, Samantha <clears throat> says, I've had three short stories published in anthologies, including the Authors of the Future Young Writers competitions. Other manuscripts of mine are currently on Wattpad. I haven't heard about Wattpad for a long time. Uh, where I've gained 5,500 followers. Is that good? I don't know. It might be good. Um, but Wattpad is so huge. Uh, one of my novels was shortlisted for the What Is 2021 Award out of thousands of entries worldwide. And two novels have been on the Wattpad fantasy featured list. We've said Wattpad far, far too many times on this show. Let's, uh, let's instead hear from the wonderful Hannah. Soul Seeker by Samantha Read by Hannah The wolf appeared silently, blocking out the low red sun. The mistakes Kira had made flashed through her mind too late. She'd stopped her sled in a clearing to inspect the runners after a disturbing jolt, forgetting to check the surrounding trees. Her dogs had warned her a heartbeat before she'd spotted it their hackles rising as they caught a scent which meant only one thing, danger. Kira hardly dared to breathe as she studied the pale wolf's long, elegant muzzle. It was cutting off her path home and she couldn't afford to be late, not today. She silently cursed herself for getting up early to hunt before the race, but she'd been too restless to stay inside. Even if she made it back uninjured, she definitely wouldn't be able to sneak in before Callie woke up. Her stomach sank. She watched the way the wolf's eyes swept the clearing with the ease of a practiced hunter, perhaps the alpha of its pack. It was a good thing she'd stamped the slow anchor into the ground because the dogs were straining against their harnesses. She would have lost the sled in an instant. Nervous energy hummed through her, stirring her blood, and she slowly, slowly reached for the bow and quiver slung over one shoulder. Her instincts warred. Fight or flight. The wolf was working its way through the same problem. Kira knew it could be upon her in a single leap, and the throwing axes at her belt would do her no good. She knew her strengths. She knew she only stood a chance if she knocked an arrow fast enough to shoot. Painfully slowly, she eased the great U-bow off her shoulder. Only a few heartbeats had passed since the wolf had appeared, and panic clouded her head with white fog. What had her parents taught her about wolves? What had Darius said? What would they do if they were here? Surely she could remember something. I am going to die. Her heart was pounding. I'm going to die of failure and Callie will never be proud of me. The great beast locked eyes with her and the rest of the world fell away. Kira knew she should have been thinking of what a price the pelt would fetch or how doomed she was. But the only word in her scattered mind was magnificent. The way the light rippled across the mantle of fur across its shoulders. 
Those eyes. The lead sled dog Rufus gave a sharp bark. The wolf's head snapped around. It melted away into the undergrowth as soundlessly as it had appeared, obviously having weighed its odds of taking on so many dogs at once. Kira slumped onto the earth as tension leaked out of her muscles, leaving a strange ache in its wake. Gripping her bow with one hand for support, she reached across to Rufus and slung an arm around him. His body shook with tension, and the strength in his muscles was comforting. The dogs were still restless, snapping at each other and sniffing the air, but the imminent threat had passed. Good boy, she mumbled, and then to the forest, thank you for sparing me. The pines rustled gently in response. Kira got to her feet. Could she follow the wolf? Find it again? Perhaps track it? She'd met a trader only a few days ago who had told her wolves were valuable in the market. There had been rumours that even city folk were interested in them. Excitement sparked inside her. The thrill of the chase. But no, she couldn't afford to get distracted right before the race. She turned towards home. Hike! she shouted, and the dogs launched into a run while she hung onto the sled for dear life. The speed took her breath away, but she balanced on the footboards as she guided them out of the woods. Sledding was the closest she could get to the feeling of flying. It was pure exhilaration, and all her problems momentarily faded to the back of her mind. Gnome soon came into view, a cluster of wooden huts settled, nestled in their valley. The sunrise painted the snow pink, and she prayed to the guardians that Callie wasn't up. Thank you so much, Hannah. Um, straight to the genius room, I think. Yes, uh, Mel says, good blurb. Title feels a bit generic. Ali Thomas, no need for the polar bear spirit guideline at the start. Is this repeat at the end? I, I'm, I think it is. I wasn't totally sure about that, but you think it is, so it probably is. Uh, Carol MS, title may be overused. Lots of book titles. Uh, title Soul Seeker. Um, Pamela Joe says, well crafted blurb and title, I would pick to up and read, but need a clue what age group this is aimed at. I think this is YA. I've got a feeling, but it's not, it's not, it's not explicit, actually, haven't, you haven't told us, actually, uh, Samantha. In blurb, what kind of tribe, says Carol, maybe an interesting, no more detail, say it's in Alaska. Um, and we've got, yeah, Johnny says something I, I was thinking too. Um, he said, I like the concept of an everlasting blizzard. Oh, I like that. And that, I, yeah, I, and then you started to make me think about Snowpiercer. I was thinking, oh, yeah, that could be good. Um, and uh, Pamela Joe, yeah, oh, I, can't, I can't find it. So many good comments. So Pam, Pamela Joe followed up on that. Uh, Vagabond says, this is nice writing, but maybe start with something happening rather than something not actually happening. Feels put there so author can explain details. All right, and Hannah, um, our narrator, says, I hope this race is going to be a very important one. I'd read on to find out. And that's worth knowing. What did you think, Matt? Um, I had the same reaction that Vagabond did, which is I, I felt that we were um, building up this confrontation with the wolf, this moment with the wolf, and then yeah. the wolf just leaves. And I 
felt it, it took me out of the story at that point. I, I, I felt like, well, surely I didn't see something that was going on here. Um, so that's where that's, that was a, that was a problem for me. And by the end, I felt that these 700 words weren't so much telling us a story, getting us into a story as kind of letting us hang out with a character. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't interested enough in the character to keep going. I'm not sure I would have read on there. Um, yeah. 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 I, don't, I haven't yeah. hit the vote button, but I've got my votes in. Okay. Um, Fair enough. All yeah. right. While you do that, we'll get Jamie's first reactions, please. Yeah. Um, I'm fairly similar. I think the title's a bit, a bit sort of mer- mer- g- generic. Um, the blurb, I thought, played it a bit too close to chest as well. I still don't, there's some nice stuff in there, but I don't really know who it's for, what it's going to be about. Uh, I like the uh, Blizzard idea. There's the Great White Bears a bit Philip Pullman. It is. Um, and um, I do like the idea of spirit animals, but that's we've not seen that yet. I would have liked to have seen that up, up front, I think. Actually, there's a, there's a, um, a lady at our, our work who's got this skill where she thinks she can tell what, tell you what your spirit animals are, and apparently I'm an orangutan, which... Well, <laughs> what a surprise! surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I thought the yeah, the same same as Matt read really. It's like you've got this wolf, and it's and that's a potentially quite a, um, a a start with a bang, you know. And, but the, that whole the whole scene was quite distant. It, it sort of feels mm. a bit. Oh look, there's it a wolf. Uh, oh, it's quite scary. Oh, I'm going to be late. Oh, right, okay, <laughs> I don't want to be late. Um, it's a wolf. Like it's a wolf. Like it should be. I wanted to to real sort of feel. I was felt like I was held held away from from what the character was feeling about that. Yeah. There's a fair bit of telling in there. Um, they've done that. She done the right thing by sort of starting with something that should be dramatic, but then doesn't follow through on it. Um, yeah. Which sort of makes a bit feel a bit. Huh, okay. Um, right. Yeah. I, I yeah. really wanted to see more. I wanted to see the spirit animal thing right at the start as well. I think there's yeah, it's a, it's a nice there, setup, but, isn't it? Actually, it's a fairly conventional yeah. setup, but we could enjoy it. And the blizzard and the snow. It's yeah, it's yeah. cozy yeah. actually. You know, you want to sort of draw, a, you know, a second layer on. You're just going to read it once. It actually, yeah. so it's an indulgence. Right. Really. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't really, we didn't really get that. I think it was a feels bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah. That. And everlasting blizzard is new, right? And it's exciting. It's interesting. Yeah. And yeah. this was not an everlasting blizzard. Mm. Um, this was not a, 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 a spirit animal polar bear. I mean, I suppose at this moment, the spirit polar bear could have come out and scared the wolf away, and it would have introduced us mm. to the polar bear or something. I don't want to go that way, but um, I'm an aardvark. Yes, I know. <laughs> that's completely thrown me. Now. <laughs> I will not say anything sensible, even if I have done for the rest of the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Vagabond. <laughs> You've just completely does my Oh, that's my spirit animal. That's my yes. spirit animal. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know that's a compliment, is it? I'm not I'm really not sure. I don't know. Take it as one. But all I know about them is they're prone to get the plague, I think. That's the <laughs> extent of my, my knowledge. <laughs> Better well, get your <laughs> What, what makes me what, what, what the problem I guess I had in the end was with the wolf being a non-event of a starting event, yeah. I just felt the bang 
suffered a great deal. The, the, if you're coming out, if you're looking to attract a reader in that 700 words, I'm not sure that's by studies as yeah. I've said before, she said, art, you know, art, art, bark. Um, it's something that didn't happen. So, yeah. 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 Don't, don't, don't even go there, Mel. That's all I can say. <laughs> I don't think there is one yet. Um, PC agrees with Carol. There are lots of books of the title Soulseek already. Agree with others. Build up of tension with the wolf and then the drama disappears. Yes, why? Too many she's in the text also. I didn't pick that up, but I agree with your structural comments. This is, though this is fantasy, says Hannah, a wolf would be more scared of a pack of sled dogs than our uh, heron would be of the wolf. Okay, well, that's... Hannah actually knows what she's talking about because she's an animal animal uh, behaviourist, animal psychologist or something like that. Okay, so we've got some numbers from Matt. Have we got numbers in from Jamie? Yes, we have. Fantastic. So we've got an overall number and you've got a very respectable 59 there, Samantha. And I hope, uh, I'm just jotting that down, I hope um, you've got some useful feedback as well because that's really, you know, one of the main things that we are in business for to provide you with some um, good thoughts, advice, guidance, encouragement, and all the rest of it. Now, we are at a very interesting stage. I'm one more, uh, one more time just going to show you the scorecard briefly. High scoring show, guys. Look at that. Look at that. You don't often find that in one show. Um, final submission of the day. Who knows? Who knows where it's going to go? Well, we'll know in a few moments. This is from Basma and it's historical fiction, magical realism. And this is the title, and I, I, I just can't contain myself. I think this is a friggin' amazing title. I love it, I love it. It's one of those titles that, you know, you, you, you go out with it and you know people are going to go, I want to read it, I want to read it. It's called Novel One. Now, I like it so much <laughs> that I haven't actually checked to see if anyone else has written one like that, because I hope they haven't, I hope they haven't. But there might be somebody else out there who's written Novel One. But I just think that's a cool title. You may not. Genius Room may not. Genius Room may, may say, that's the most prosaic, boring, dull title ever. Zero points. But all I'm saying is I like it. And it would get my attention. Here's the, here's the blurb. It's 1966. Nain Tara meets a boy in Lahore, only to discover he was already engaged to Feroza. Nain Tara then marries Mansur, a rich Bengali from East Pakistan, and moves to Dakar as the independence movement for East Pakistan heats up all around her. In the ensuing battle, she loses loved ones on both sides of the struggle, comes back to Lahore and meets her old love again. Will time be kinder to them this time round? Hmm. Let me turn on the view, I started writing when I was 11. Since then, I've written short stories for school and hospital journals and worked on half a dozen novels. Novel One is the first novel that I've finished. I grew up in Pakistan, have lived in the US and work in healthcare. And I think you'll be rather delighted with this reading we have for you from Mel. Novel One by Busma, read by Mel. The sky... The trees and the grass in between graves are all shades of smoke. It is the hour before dawn. Sparrows are still asleep in their nests, but souls tied to their graves are returning from their night journeys. Soon the earth and sky will split, and birds will fly into the morning for their first grain of the day. 
Sun will rise over place by the purple water lilies. The living will see a rectangle of earth with graves, trees, flowering bushes, and birds. Light is far more blinding than darkness. I am in my grave, listening to the susurrations of the leaves. I have been here long enough to know each tree by the song the wind pours into it. Peepaw leaves rustle, the kikar sighs, and the banyan holds its peace. Night breeze slips into the kikar trees and whispers of all it had seen. Mian Mir, the graveyard guardian saint, circling the skies above Lahore. A mother's soul wrapped around the sun she had died in birthing. The white blaze of a girl's spirit beseeching a shapeshifter to knife her rapist and the bewilderment of a soldier who was yet to know his body had fallen. A marble canopy stands over my grave. The pillars are inlaid with turquoise and mother-of-pearl in a grapevine motif. The headstone says, Only Son, above my name. The snowy white grave cover is engraved with a couplet that laments, How could I die, leaving my mother with nothing? My mother's grief is white-hot and scorching, welding me to my grave. I sense for the coolness that comes to me from the girl I love, the one who had loved me enough to let go. Murray, December 1966. Kohala Road is a narrow, winding ribbon wrapped high around the side of a mountain with pine forest. It had snowed the day before. There was slush in the middle and icy mounds on the sides of the road, but the sun was shining and the air was crisp with pine scent. Half a dozen European students were skating around a tall fir decorated with twinkling lights on the front lawn of Murray Christian School. I was lost in the rise and fall of a green sweater on a blonde girl when my nose hit the seat in front of me. Our driver had braked abruptly, swerving into the snowbank in front of Kabar Galley Tea Shop. I looked up to see four girls running madly across the road. A moment later, a strapping white ox hurtled onto the scene, horns bent in the charge position. The girls ran to the tea shop. The ox gave chase. The tea shop was not yet open. The girls froze for a heartbeat and then ran towards our jeep. Shamir opened the side door. One of the girls had had the brilliance to wear high heels in that weather and skidded on the wet surface. Shamir dragged her into the vehicle three seconds before the ox connected with the closed door. There was a sigh of relief before the ox slammed into the back door. Our driver extricated us from the snowbank, and we sped off towards Kashmiri Bazaar. The beast followed, but gave up after a few furlongs. Silence reigned for a minute, until one of the girls said, I told you not to wear those stupid shoes. My shoes are less stupid than your red coat, the high heel wearer replied. Who tried to feed the ox roasted maize? All three looked at the girl who had been silent so far. She hung her head. That girl was Nain Tara. The first thing I noticed about Nain Tara was her bosom. Generous in size, her breasts sat atop a tiny waist, and from the way they moved under her blue turtleneck, I could tell they would be like firm pears to the touch. I had to manually turn my head. My eyes would not look away. I was 16 and a boy. Had I been capable of focusing on anything but her chest, the encounter with Ashoka, the ox, would have been telling about Nain Terra, the person. Okay, and there we go. Another submission where it doesn't quite end. Um, 
we just you know what happens if if you send us more than 700 words is our our fame narrators um we'll just have to terminate it wherever they choose to really let's go straight to jamie for your first reactions please straight from the gut so it's firstly that title i'm with you that is genius i mean as a marketeer that is genius yeah it's like a a blur song called song two that sticks with everybody and he's that's just brilliant um i love i love magic realism uh i think but i i'm not sure you can do historical fiction and magic realism that seems to be a bit of a misnomer I don't, i'm not quite sure i think the two, one contradicts the other um the book the blurb was was very clear about the story but there's no mention of magic realism there i'd like to know why uh if i was reading that on the back of the book i'd want to know how that came in where the magic fitted into the story i mean it's a clearly it's a really obvious in the first in the prologue where it is but i'd like to see it on the back aside from that though once you get into it like that writing was gorgeous mm. like got like really really beautiful um really evocative like r- really lyrical and this beautiful sense of place in it I, yeah there's some just some of the lines in there were one that's made me clap like mm. there's a line about the, the the girl had the brilliance to wear high heels i thought i was brilliant i love the uh, i'm in my grave and the, the mother's soul wrapped around the sun she died birthing that's just beautiful mm. um so it feels, it feels a bit like salman rushdie or elif shakaf uh, Shaka yeah. or a little bit like Life of Pi, really. Um, I gen- genuinely thought that was superb. I thought um, that not only would I want to read on, but I, would I, I really do want to read on. I'd actually want yes. to, I'd like to know what happens next. I thought that was brilliant. You really have there's some great, great, um, great, uh, great submissions tonight. I, that was, mm. I thought that was very, very good indeed. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Um, I'm on your side. I think it's pretty clear from the genius team that some people are and some people are not. Whose side are you on, Matt? I think it was, it's a um, it's a really well done piece. There's one thing I'll bring up with the title. Mm. I like novel one. I read that as novel I. Yeah. I don't like novel I. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, and, and I guess it, it refers to. I mean, it, it reminds me of what Ready Player One. Um, it which is written out, right? Maybe you write the one out. Yeah, that's, because that's I, good advice. Yeah, because if you look at our typeface, it. This is novel eye. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's just a, a small point on that. Listen, the, the little scene when the girls reach the um, the Jeep and, you know, they're being chased by an ox. One is wearing, you know, the, the, the red. One is in high heels and the other had been feeding it corn. Yes. I mean, it's yeah. a lovely, funny, yeah. wonderful scene. I was, yeah, really good. I was all in on that moment. Um, I, I kind of, I liked the writing, but I thought I was, we were drifting a little before that moment. When you get to that moment, I thought the story really took off. Mm. And I, these scenes that you know Jamie was talking about, I, I these lines, I liked them, but mm. I wasn't really sure why. I, them um but I, I truly loved i truly loved once the once the bull was chasing the into the china shop that was quite I lovely just, it, i felt so felt i don't know about you but it's kind of felt in capable hands like, i just felt yes. like this person knew what they were doing yeah and i think that's that's really important for a reader isn't it you just want to sort of yeah. go start reading go they know what i'm doing i'm gonna get something good here i'm gonna keep yeah. going because i feel i trust that they that they're gonna look after me and that they're gonna yeah. they're gonna give me something and I, and I and i felt that which is which is rare in published books actually to be honest yeah i think that's that you've you've absolutely nailed it for me 
because um, this is, you know, I, I say this several times, apologies if I've said it before, and uh, if you can stop listening for the next 30 seconds, but, you know, what you're trying to do is to, you're trying to stop people like me from being agents, just, you're trying to stop people like them over the other side of the desk from being publishers and editors. You're just trying to turn them, us all, into readers, basically. And we've got to take our professional hats off and stop, you know, stop criticising, critiquing, and just be readers. And for me, this this prize does that. I'm just a reader, and mm-hmm. I, I I love the prize. I love reading it. I want to read more. And that's me as as a human being, not as a, a, a publishing professional passing judgment. I'm just, you know, I'm turned into an ordinary reader and who who is in awe and respect for this particular writer's skill. So I can't often say that, actually. But that's that's the bar you're trying to get to, I think, folks, isn't it, really? You're just trying to... It's, it's what happens when people tell stories. It's not that new. It's when the, the, the storyteller tells you to sit down under the, the starry sky. You know, I mean, at that point, we're all really kids, aren't we? We just want to listen to the story. We're in, in good hands, I think, at that point. Let's look at the numbers. 78. That's another extraordinary score, actually. What an amazing, amazing uh, show this is. So now the Genius Room does like the, the writing craft. There's no question about that. They're not wild about the blurb, and they're certainly not wild about the title. So that title is divisive. And it could be one of those occasions, actually, when the title is so interesting, so unique, and so different, they will, it will serve its purpose um, in the publishing business, which is to attract the attention of agents and attract, and they're, they're uh, further down the process, to attract the attention of publishers... But once it's done that, you might find, actually, a few months down the line, you might find whoever's going to publish this, and I'm sure it will be published, um, they'll turn around and say, maybe we should change the title. Uh, that, they... In my experience, that always happens. Yeah, oh, right. <laughs> it, it, always, it always gets changed, yeah. yeah. And how do you feel when, when, when that subject is broached? Um. Not that bothered, to be honest. I quite—I—I I, I think I said before. I love the whole editing process, and 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 the the the, the title and and the and the marketing bit is part of it. And as a marketing professional, I kind of like have to hand it over because I'm—it's really hard to market yourself. So I'm 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 all for it, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. This would do the purpose of somebody. Would, I think at the very least, an agent would look and go, "That's clever," yeah, and that absolutely. and that will probably serve the purpose of getting them to read to carry on reading. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And let's just look at that again, actually, because you know, as well, we very rarely get numbers that high, actually. And uh, it's just nice to to see that we have this week. And that means it's such a high-scoring show. Let's look at the scorecard one more time. Because it's nice when 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 the numbers as high as this. And look, I mean, you've got a resounding victory there. You've got best title, best blur, best craft, and commercial bang. Um, you know what? It depends really on on how how people feel about the writing. Are they going to do that thing that we want readers to do? That is, say, I've read this amazing book. You should too. Whether they do that by word of mouth or whether they do it through social media, it doesn't really matter so much. But you know, we need them to do it. Are they going to do it with your writing? I think they will. I think they will. I think you've got an amazing future there. So, what does that mean? It means we've got a show with. A very, very high quality show this week. Tightly contested. I mean, you know, any one, any one of the other submissions actually could have been a really, really good one. But it just so happens that you, Basma, actually are our 
weekly winner? And will you be our monthly winner? I don't know. It could be another extraordinary show uh, next week. Let's have a look at our rather glorious guests this week. Thank you very, very much. Who's, who's, who's making a comment? Very talented writers. Yeah, I think so too. It's such a, a pleasure when this happened. Thank you so much, Matt, for being with us. Thank you so much, Jamie, for being with us. You're Especially on, on such a great show, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it fun when something like that happens? You just see good stuff. That's, that's, that was unbelievably how, how high the quality was today. Uh, like you, I've never seen that in, in happen before. It's yeah. just across exactly. the board, really good. Exactly, exactly. And there we go. If you want there more, were three pieces, yeah. sorry, sorry, say say again. Was, there, were, there were three pieces that you would expect to win. Exactly. In a yeah, normal exactly. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it just so happens they were all on the same show. Extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So if you want more of Jamie, and frankly, who doesn't actually? I mean, the chat room is kind oh, of buzzing at the moment. The orangutan thing really struck a chord with a lot of people. <laughs> I think a lot of people are saying, don't change, don't change. They, they, they want you. They want your books. And uh, the website's not actually up there. What's the website, Jamie? My website is jamiemollard.co.uk. JamieMollett.co.uk. I think everyone needs to go there. Very right narcissistic. Now. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it's logical, though, isn't it, actually? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> if you want more Jamie Mollett, it's JamieMollett.co.uk. And, guys, I want more of the same. Please join me same time next week. Hit it! All going down with suits and ties, just sitting in the crowd, smoking big cigars. I hope you're ready for what's coming now. I'm the one, I'm the lady, go bring it down. Okay now, are you ready? ready, ready.